God, I thank you for your truth that you have preserved from generation to generation. And I pray now it wouldn't be wasted on us that we would be tuned in to you and to your spirit and to listen to what you would have us to hear today. And so teach us, Jesus, we're yours. Uh, we ask it all in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. So I ran into one of our elementary students at a store the other day. And uh, I don't know if you ever had that look, and maybe you gave that look at time. If you can remember back to your childhood when you saw your teacher at the store, you're like, what are you doing out of school? Like, you're not supposed to, like, you live there. And that was sort of the look that I was getting. I'm like, oh, I recognize that look. They're like, what are you doing? You're supposed to, like, live at church kind of thing. You're not supposed to be out in the real world kind of thing. And, and so I went up to them, and I was talking. And, and then he looked at me for a moment, and he said, you look a lot bigger at church. Up on a platform, I guess, that would, that would do that. Yeah, I'm only 5'8". That's not a big secret at all. And I tell you, I feel even smaller now when you stand up against this giant of a backdrop of Goliath and, and just thinking about the sheer size of this guy at all. And the reason we have this up there is not just because we're having to be talking about David and Goliath during this series, Goliath Must Fall. It, it also represents your giant. Because as Pastor Tim said last week, all of us have a giant. Now, I don't know what form your giant is at this stage, but I'm, I'm mindful that Goliath didn't come out of the womb like this. Man, I imagine uh, Mrs. Goliath, whatever her name was, at some point, is a little baby in the arms. And oh, isn't Goliath cute? A little bit bigger maybe than most babies, but boy, isn't he cute? And boy, he's growing fast. And wow, he's getting into some mischief kind of stuff. We're not sure about him and then he gets a little bit older and getting into more trouble and maybe he's bigger than anybody else and now he's the bully on the block and like I don't know how we're going to control this guy we got to give some discipline to him and then maybe teenage rebellion sets in and now he's getting into fights all the time and and the bible just records we don't know I'm making all of that up but we do know he was a warrior from youth so there was something on him that people could see and then all of a sudden boom you know one day he's he's this but he didn't start out that way and maybe today, if you're looking at your giant, I don't know what stage your giant is in. Maybe it's in the little infancy baby stage yet. And maybe you're sitting there, oh, no, it's really not that big of a deal. I can handle the little baby giant in my life. You're like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. It's only a few drinks, and it's not that big of a deal. Or, or I've only looked occasionally. It's not a big deal. I'm not hooked on it at all. And it's just, it's really cute. Maybe at this time, and you're thinking it's not a big deal. Well, the problem is, is they grow. And maybe or it's in yours is in the toddler stage, and it's moving around. You're like, man, I thought I had this thing under control, but now that it's moving on its own, um, I've got some more problems. I wasn't anticipating this. Or maybe it's, it's teenage, and now it's, it's starting to get rear its ugly head, and you're like, man, this thing is starting to get out of control. And then, or maybe yours is full-blown Goliath-sized giant that's in your life that has just consumed you. So for wherever you're at today, uh, Goliath must fall. And that's why we're doing this series, because I, I want to see Goliaths go down. I, I want to see lives transformed. I want to see people set free, because I do believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well in me and in you. And every follower of Jesus has that same spirit of God. And so Goliath must fall. And that's what I want to see. Because frankly, I, I don't want to just play church. I just don't want to come and sing some songs, let's go home and let's feel better. No, I, I want to see lives change. 
When I was a little kid, I played church. That's what I did. In fact, my uh, home that I grew up in, my mom still lives in, and in the uh, piano bench in the music room, uh, if you open that up and go there, there are still these worship folders that I made as a kid because I played church. And I literally, I played, I wrote a bulletin out with the readings on there, and my mom would play the hymns because she was a great organist, and then my dad and my brother and sister would have to sit there, and I'd go through the liturgy, and then I'd preach a message to them, and then we'd all, you know, then we're done, and amen, and like, wow, I had to go to church twice today. This was a lot of fun for my family to think, go through, and, and yet they did that faithfully, and if you still go there to this day, uh, they are still sitting right there in the piano bench. I guess that's where my mom keeps my little pretend church thing, but a few years outside of seminary when I began to pastor, I'm like, I don't want to play church. And I've just always been wired that way. If, if lives aren't being transformed, I want to do something else. Because if the power of God is not alive and well, uh, there's something else I need to be doing. I want to see lives transformed. Now, I realize that maybe one of the problems uh, that we run into if giants are, are going to fall is, is that we've got a problem of remembering. And I don't know about you, uh, my memory sometimes isn't that great. I, I, I found this quote a long time ago that I absolutely love. My brain is like the Bermuda Triangle. Information goes in, uh, but it's never found again. <laughs> Anybody else like that before? I just, like, that just seemed to be, like, I don't know why I keep forgetting. It's like the older I get, the more I seem to be forgetting. Or maybe I'm just cognizant of the fact that I'm forgetting more than maybe I was always that way. And then I recently ran into a study by the University of Toronto, and this probably has nothing to do with the message, but it makes me feel good, so I'll share it with you. Scientists reveal that being forgetful is actually a sign of intelligence. So maybe I'm smarter than I think I am at this point in time. And they say what really is behind it was fascinating research. I read through that article. I'm like, wow, that's one. It said what intelligent people have the ability to do is to forget things that aren't really that important. They can filter through things and like, okay, I don't need to remember that. I don't need to remember that. And they just hold on to the most important things. And that gives them the ability to look at things from a different vantage point, a different perspective. It's sort of like looking at your life from 30,000 feet. And so that's what intelligent people are able to do. But I tell you, if you want to see giants fall in your life, if you want to see your giant fall in your life, there is one thing that you cannot forget. There is one thing that you cannot just sort of let pass through your mind and, and just sort of let it go by without dwelling on it and thinking about it. And it's simply this truth, that God is able. That God is able. We can't forget that. We can't put that to the side. We can't let that just run through our memories and not dwell on that because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And if that is true, then God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever hope or ask for. This is who our God is, the God that spoke the world into existence. This is the God that is able to do more than we could ever hope or imagine. God is able. And that's good news for you and me and for all of us that have giants in our life because we're looking at our giants and, and maybe um, we've just sort of resigned ourselves. It's like it's always going to be this way. I've had this giant as long as I can remember. I, I guess I'm just going to have to get used to taking care of the giant. I guess I'm just going to have to used to it being there. You know, we've got to get back to understanding who is the God that we worship. Our God is not dead. He is alive, and he is still transforming lives. That is what our God wants to do. And so one of the benefits of, of having other pastors on staff is, is the ability for me to do what you're doing right now, is sitting there and listening. And, and Pastor Tim, as he was preaching last week, and he got 
to the part in the story, and he's reading out of Scripture, and he says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And I remember as he was speaking that, I could almost hear God speak to me, and I grabbed my little worship folder and a pen, and I began to write down, I'm like, I wonder how many people would rather have the sword, the spear, and the javelin, given the option. Like, if I'm going up against a giant, um, I, I know what a spear can do. I know what a sword can do. I know what a javelin can do. Those are tangible. I can grab a hold of those, but I'm, I'm not sure I can put my whole trust and confidence in he is able, and the name of the Lord is with me. And I wonder how many of you are in that boat this morning. And that's not a shame statement. That's just a, a, a life statement, because I think a lot of us fall in that category at one time or another that I think I'd rather have that. And what I want to do this morning is help us move from, from that camp where I'd rather trust in the spear and the javelin and have that. I, I'd rather have my whole hope be built on, God, you are able to do more than I could ever hope or imagine. Because frankly, that's what happened to the army. That's what happened to King Saul. They had forgotten all that stuff that God had done. They'd forgotten that he was able I mean, certainly they've been told the stories as they grew up. They know about Abraham, how God called him to be his very own and made him into a mighty nation. They heard the story of Isaac and Jacob, and then Joseph sold into slavery, and God, by miraculous intervention, raises him up and makes him Pharaoh's right-hand man. They had heard that story. They had certainly heard the story of how Moses, um, God used Moses to deliver them from the Egyptians and, and lead them to the promised land. They certainly heard about the Passover meal where the angel of death would pass over um, and go right into the Egyptians' home and kill all the firstborn. They would have heard that story. They would have certainly heard the story of the Red Sea, and they come up to the sea, and Pharaoh and his army are chasing behind, and the, the sea parts, and they just walk down on dr dry land, and then they turn around, and boom, now Pharaoh and his army are all just engulfed in water, and they all drown. They sort of all would have remembered the story of God raining down bread from heaven so they could eat and not starve in the wilderness, and when they were thirsty, water's coming from a rock, they would have known that story. They would have known the story of walking around the city of Jericho with its huge walls and mighty fortress, and they were supposed to walk around the city and then blow trumpets on the seventh day, and boom, and all the walls come crumbling down. They would have heard that story. So what was it about Goliath where they stood there and go, oh, guess this is the way our life is going to be. Our God isn't able. We have Goliath. There he is. Now, what was it about it that made them forget that he is able? I think we all forget at times. So I want to give you three things that have helped me to not forget that he is able to do everything that we need to do. And the first thing is simply this. Just write down what God has done for you. Write down what God has done for you. Grab a diary, or if you don't like the word diary, grab a journal. Grab a piece of paper if you need to. Open up your laptop or your tablet and open up a little document and start writing on there. Here are all the things that I can remember that God has done for me, because there will be a season of your life where you will need that. Some of you have heard the story before, a period of my life a long time ago where I, I literally, I, I would have been clinically depressed. I don't think I was ever diagnosed, but I, I didn't want to go on anymore, and there were moments I'm just like, God, you can take me now, because I'm done. I don't have anything to give anymore. I just want to go home. Just take me. And fortunately, I had some good friends uh, around me, and I had uh, then a good counselor who came around me, and I can't remember if it was a friend or a counselor, said, why don't you start writing down 
just what's God speaking to you during the day, uh, what you want to speak to God during the day. And so I, I grabbed a, a journal, and I began to write, and I wrote down day one, I don't think I'm going to make it through the day, and I would just like to go to heaven now. Please come take me. Day two, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't want to live any longer. Like, God, just take me home. I don't think I'm going to make it through the day. Day three, same thing. Day four, day five. Day... And eventually, somewhere on that journey, a couple weeks into that process, my friend came to me and said, John, I had a verse that God wanted me to give to you. I'm like, okay, well, what's the verse? And he came across 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he said this. This is Paul um, who wrote this, and this is God's answer to Paul when Paul said to God, God, take this thorn away from me. And, and God said back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I didn't like that verse. Because I, I didn't like that sufficient. I didn't like weakness. I, I wanted to be strong again. I, I wanted to live with that kind of eager anticipation uh, of just a new day and excitement of let's go at it and living with optimism that I'd been used to for so long. I didn't like the word sufficient. And I didn't like that, and I don't know if I told my friend that at that moment, but I remember about a week later, he came back and says, hey, you been thinking about that verse I gave you? I said, yeah, I have. He said, well, what do you think about it? I'm like, I don't like it. <laughs> and he said, why don't you like it? I'm like, I don't like the sufficient part of that. And he said, so what have you been writing in your journal? And I told him, day, day one, I don't want to go on. I don't think I'm going to make it through the day. I don't want to go any longer. I'm tired. And uh, day two, and day three, and day four, he said, so what happened? I'm like, what do you mean, what happened? I got another day, and I wrote the same thing. He said, no, what happened? You made it through the day, didn't you? Is that not sufficient? Isn't that the definition of what sufficient is? I'm like, oh, God did get me through another day, and then he got me through another day, and he got me through another day, and, and before I know it, um, boy, I'm, I'm coming out of that just deep darkness. You know, write down what God is doing to you, because there'll be seasons of your life that you need to go back and recall what God has done for you in your life. Second thing you can do after you start writing those things down is teach those to others. Teach others what God has done for you. I think it's a great gift to be able to do, and it's a wonderful um, way to learn. By the way, my daughter probably gets tired of this, but every time when I pick her up from school, she knows after school she's going to get sort of the same questions. Well, you're high and low for the day, and, and teach me something you learned in school today. And so I don't even have to prompt her. She just goes right into, here's my high, here's my low, and here's what I want to teach you today and rattles off on some topic. And, and I hope, my hope as a dad was to instill in her, I want her going to school thinking, I'm going to have to teach this to my dad. <laughs> so I better pay attention to what's going on here in school. Uh, a couple months ago, I was really sick and was preaching Sunday morning. And uh, we have elders that are here and one elder each week that's assigned and gets here early in the morning and then leaves after the late service. So they're here the whole day. And there were the kingdom men and they're praying with us as well. And I'm like, just pray I get through it because I don't think my voice is going to make it. I could barely talk. And, and, uh, and so they're praying over me. And after the 8 o'clock service, that elder came up to me and he said, hey, John, I just want you to know uh, I was taking really good notes at 8 o'clock. And if you don't think you could preach, I could do it for you at 9.30 and 11 if you need me to. I thought, wow, thank you for listening that intently. I mean, what a wonderful thing to be able to do. Because I imagine if you knew you had to get up here and, and do that and, and say, well, we're going to have a 1230 service today. And how about Joe Thornton? Because we're celebrating, you know, being, you know, new grandparents now. So you get to come up at 1230 and preach the next sermon. Then now Joe's panicking back there. He's like, honey, give me a pen. I got to start writing some stuff down. If I got to get up here and teach it, I got to pay more attention to that. And, and this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to teach it 
to the next generation uh, of people. And this is what God told Moses very early in Deuteronomy chapter 4. There we go. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Boy, what happened a few generations later? I mean, they'd forgotten all of those things. Moses even warned them. God warned them. I mean, be careful. Why? Don't forget the things your eyes have seen, all those miraculous signs and wonders that I am able. And then he says what? Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's your job. That's, that's your responsibility. Teach them. Well, isn't that the pastor's job? No, it's your job. Teach them to the children. Well, wait, isn't that the small group leader? Um, let them do that to the children. No, it's your job. That's why we build a whole Connect at Home center, so we can give you tools so you can teach the faith at home. So God, can, you can be taught and you can take what you're learning and now instill it in the hearts and the lives of your children and your grandchildren and maybe even your great-grandchildren. Teach them what you know. And then finally, the third one is, is recall. You know, recall what God has done for you in those moments where you need to, is being able to recall that history again. I mean, this is exactly what David did, by the way. Just to go into our text for today, just a couple of verses. Take a look at verse 36. Um, your servant, as David is talking to King Saul, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. I imagine there was more than a lion and a bear. I imagine it didn't start with the lion. I don't think that was the first thing he killed. Maybe the first thing he killed uh, was a snake. Coming up to, done with, done with you. Wow, that snake sort of scared me. Now he's, he's dead. And, and maybe it was a coyote. Next thing that comes up and um, the coyote's trying to attack a sheep and he kills the coyote. Wow, I didn't think I had that in me. And then somewhere along the line, a lion comes into that and like the lion is stealing a sheep. No, not on my watch. You're not. Well, this might cost me my life. I don't care. I'm going after it. And he goes after it and the lion dies. Like, wow, that's incredible. And then all of a sudden, now the next thing up is what? A bear. Well, it's a little bit bigger and a little more intimidating and comes and starts stealing the sheep. No, you don't. I'm grabbing him by the hair and boom, I'm going with confidence because I've seen God be with me throughout all of those little seasons. And so what does David do? He recalls this again. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He's just the next. He happens to be a little taller than a bear. And so he's next, I guess, in the tall line. I don't know what God's got planned for me next, but God has been preparing me from the time as a little boy, killing little things and protecting sheep along the way, to now this is no different. Because I've seen in my life that God is able. So recall what God has done for you. And I know what some of you might be thinking at this moment. I, I don't know if I've got a lot that I can think of that God has done for me. I haven't killed lions, and I haven't killed bears. And that really, I think, is part of the problem of sort of Western Christianity, is we live in a world that, frankly, is easy compared to most of the world. We don't, we don't have to trust in God. We don't have to have confidence in God. We can get through our days with or without him, it seems, pretty easily, which is really sort of scary. And yet God is calling us back to him. And, and what do we love doing as parents? What do we love to do? We love to protect our kids. What do we pray? God, get me out of this situation. Get, get rid of this pain. Get rid of this trouble. Get rid of this temptation. Get rid of this, this sin. And maybe what God wants us to do is to sit in it a little while so we can learn that he is able. 
that we can have some history with him where he has brought me out of the valley um, into his marvelous light. Maybe that is what God is teaching us in those moments. And yet we're so quick to wish and pray our way out of those things. And maybe you've heard that phrase before. Well, God won't give you more than you can bear. I, I hate to burst your bubble if you're one of those that loves that verse. That's not a verse. <laughs> the verse is God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. I think God gives you more than you can bear. Why does God give you more than you can bear? Because it forces you to say, well, this can't be about me anymore. I don't think I can do that. And God intervenes and shows up with his power and his might because he is able and he shows up and all of a sudden like, wow, I didn't think I could do that. And you didn't because God got you through it. That's exactly what David was saying. This Philistine is going to be like one of them because he's defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. I didn't kill them. God delivered them. He will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, go. My army's not going. <laughs> Here you, you go, and God be with you. Hope this works out really well for you. And I can't imagine what Saul was thinking in that moment. Man, I wish I had that kind of faith. I wish I had that kind of confidence in God. I wish I had that kind of story. I don't know what you're wishing today. And maybe you're, again, sitting here, I, I, I don't have a story like David did. Can I tell you, I have friends of mine, um, over half of my class now is no longer in pastoral ministry 25 years later, class of 1994 from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And some of those are, are dear friends of mine. I remember talking to a dear friend of mine, he said, I, I'm getting out of ministry. I'm like, man, what's going on, why? So, man, I, I just, I don't feel like God is with me in, in this. I don't feel like this is what I need to be doing. And, and I'm like, well, why? Like, you, you're so passionate about it. What happened? He said, I just haven't had the experiences you've had. Like, you've got these things. You've told me these stories over and over where God just seems to intervene and show up in your life with his power. I, I haven't seen that, and I just can't keep doing this anymore. And that breaks my heart. And, and if you're one of those today, I'm not sure I, I've seen God interact in that way. Let me, let me give you a psalm to pray. I always love the Psalms because they're so brutally honest. And Psalm 86 says this, give me a sign of your goodness. God, would you just show up and intervene right now? Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and you've comforted me. God, help me to see that. Help me to know that. Help me to understand that. And Goliath must fall. I want to see, I want to see our giants go down. Nobody has to live with giants anymore. It's always been there. I'm used to it now. No. Goliath must fall. So I'll encourage you, uh, give you a couple things. Um, number one, next week, uh, today we have communion. Um, next week we're going to have our prayer teams up here again. And I just want to put a seed in your brain uh, that next week I hope every single one of you comes forward and let somebody pray over you and for you. You might not want to name your giant out loud. That's fine. Uh, but I want you to come forward, because as Pastor Tim said last week, it is absolutely true. Every one of us has giants in our life. Some may be little babies. Some maybe are just conceived. You're just starting to give in to temptation and sin. Uh, but man, that's the time to deal with it. Some of you have full-blown giants. Whatever it is, would you allow us to pray? I, I want every single person coming up here and be prayed for, because I want to see giants go down. 
Maybe some of you who like to read, I'm not even sure if there's any books. I shouldn't say this when there might not be any books left over because I know some people bought them already. Uh, we'll get more if we need some. Goliath Must Fall. Um, Louis Giglio, he's the one on our little bumper video who wrote this book. I read that about a year ago. It's the reason we're doing this series. I, I love um, the heart behind this. And so I encourage you to pick that up and read it. And I encourage you to think about who can I go and talk to and invite next week to come back. Who are some people in my life I know that have some giants that, that those giants need to go down? Would you invite them and bring them here next week? Would you do that? Now let me leave you with a piece of hope because I, I love Paul. And Paul who established all these churches in the New Testament, he's writing to this church in, in Ephesus. And it's like he knows what they're going to be facing. He's, I know you're going to have giants and I want you to know that you've got a big God who is able. And Paul says it this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, I hope that's a verse that you just want to commit to memory, that you put up on your refrigerator, you put on your tablet, and you just sink that into your bones because that is one of those life changing verses that reminds us he is able i don't have the power to slay giants but he he is able to do immeasurably more than ever i could hope for or imagine so if, if you're like me i want to invite you now to, to speak that out loud because there's something about sometimes speaking it that it gets into our own mind and into our hearts and into our souls but i don't want you to just say it I, I want you to say it like you believe it because i know there's some people around you that don't believe it and I want you to say it in such a way where they're looking at you going, wow, they must really believe this. Maybe I'm missing out on something. Yes, you are. And so say this with conviction with me. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.